Amen. Amen. Good to see you. You may be seated. So we're continuing our series through the book of Hebrews. So we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse 11 this morning. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse 11. We're doing sort of an abbreviated series through this book. And we come to a passage today that I believe maybe more than any other passage of Scripture in the New Testament epitomizes who we are as a church, who we want to be as a church, why we do the things that we do as a church, emphasizing the things that we do, it would probably be this passage of Scripture. It is a great summary. It encapsulates really the, the priorities and principles that should be always sort of pulsating in our own lives individually. And I believe the things that should be front and center and priority in our local churches. Before we dive into this this morning, just a couple thoughts of introduction. Let's remember that we are in this sort of elongated section of the book of Hebrews where the author is talking to us about entering God's rest, about being spiritually at rest and what that means. Being settled with God, being satisfied with God, being secure with God. And yet the author tells us in Hebrews 4.11 that we must make every effort to enter this rest. That this rest is not something that we can experience by just passively sitting back and letting God do everything. We must fully apply ourselves. We must be diligent in our own walk with God, in our own relationship with Him, if we're going to experience this rest. And of course, as we've said now for several weeks, the author uses the experience of the nation of Israel being delivered out of Egypt and being offered the experience of entering into the promised land, uh, the land that flows with milk and honey. It, it, it sort of is, again, that illustration of, of that sweet spot with God. And yet in order for the Israelites to get there, they were going to have to fight for it. They were going to have to do their part. They were going to have to trust God. They were going to have to continue to follow Him if they were going to get to the promised land. And again, so there are many Christians today that they want the benefits and blessings of basically living in that sweet spot with God, that promised land with God, but they don't want to put forth the effort that's necessary every day to experience it. So the author's been challenging us on that because he said, you realize a whole generation... A whole generation of Hebrews missed out on the promised land because they weren't willing to do what God wanted them to do in order to experience it. And so when he comes into chapter 5, he wants to talk to them about the priesthood of this guy named Melchizedek. I love that guy's name. I tried to... Talk our daughter and son-in-law into, no, no, I, or my son into, but no, they would have none of it. Would be unique. 
And here's why the author wants to do this. The, the reason why the book is called Hebrews is because predominantly he's writing to Jews. And they understand that the priesthood was established through Aaron and through his descendants. And yet what the author wants to point out to his Jewish brothers and sisters is that even way back in the book of Genesis, God had set up sort of a, a, a special case, if you will, an exception to the rule. The rule is most of the priests came through Aaron. But like God, he, he sets up things in an orderly fashion, but at any point, God can make exceptions to that rule. And the exception would be that there would be a priesthood that would exist, an order of the priesthood that would exist outside the line of Aaron. The reason being is because Jesus didn't come through the line of Aaron. He came through the order of Melchizedek, if you will, which is why he could legitimately be a priest of God. This should not be something that is that striking to us as Christians. Because we understand that God does that, did that, and, you know, that's the way God operates. Let me give you an example. When God created the universe, he set up this universe to run by certain natural laws that he created. And yet throughout history, as God has interacted with his creation, there are times where God goes outside the normal way of doing things and works in a special way. We call those things miracles. And God still does miracles today. Where the normal order of things is this, but sometimes God does something different. And God's obviously always able to do that at any time. So that's what the author wants to establish. Is it through this gentleman named Melchizedek, who met Abraham back in the book of Genesis, God was establishing that there would be an order of priesthood that would be separate from, but just as legitimate to, the Aaronic priesthood. Now, I know that might not resonate a lot with us Gentile Christians in the year 2015 in America, but this next passage will. Notice then in verse 11 what the author says. In the first 10 verses, he's basically explaining the priesthood of Christ being based on the priesthood or the order of Melchizedek. And he ends chapter, to, uh, chapter 5, verse 10, talking about referencing the order of Melchizedek. And then in verse 11 of chapter 5, he says, on this topic, the topic of the priesthood and order of this guy named Melchizedek, we have much to say, and it is difficult to explain since you have become sluggish in hearing. First of all, let's look at the words difficult to explain. This does not mean, as it may appear, especially in the English, that the author of the book really doesn't have a grasp or understanding of this either. So he can't really do a great job in teaching others about it. That's not what this means. Nor does it mean that he doesn't want to, that he doesn't have a desire to teach these people on this whole order of Melchizedek and how this applies to their lives. This word actually means hard to be understood. And in other words, he's saying, look, I would like to teach you so much. In fact, he says, I have the desire as a teacher of the word of God 
to teach you so much and to teach on this subject. But he says, I know I'm really limited because it's going to be very hard for you at this place in your spiritual walk to grasp it, to understand it, to comprehend it, and really to get anything practically applicable out of it. Not because he says, I'm not in a good place as a teacher, but he says, because you have become sluggish in the way you approach your walk with God in hearing. So let's break this down because this passage is so important and so rich for us this morning and so applies to where we are today. Notice again the phrase, since you have become. All of us are right now in the process of becoming something. We never stay static. We never stay stationary. We are either moving forward or backward spiritually. And so the sad thing is, as we've talked a little bit about in this study of Hebrews, he's writing to a group of Christians, brothers and sisters, who at one time were much more spiritually healthy, were much more spiritually fit, were in a much better place with God. But notice, he says, you didn't stay there. Instead of continuing to move forward with Christ and move forward spiritually and keep growing and keep maturing, you now have gone back. You have become sluggish. In fact, he uses the phrase gone back in the very next verse, verse 12. Notice he says, you have gone back to needing milk, not solid food. Gone backwards. So the real important principle right away that the author is reminding us of is this. None of us, none of us, as the people of God even, ever stay where we are. All of us, and even us as a church, we're either moving forward spiritually, we're either growing and maturing and we're getting closer to God, and our understanding and spiritual insight and discernment and all these things are increasing and advancing, or we're going backwards. If we could just even just be mindful of that, Would that not sort of heighten, I would hope, the way we approach our Christian life? Instead of being so casual about it, as many Christians are today, we would be a little bit more intentional and disciplined and diligent in engaging with God and each other because we understand at all times, I'm either going forward or I'm going backward. I'm either getting closer to God or I'm getting further away from God. There is no such thing in the Bible as getting to a place spiritually and just sort of stagnating there and staying there. All of us, every day even, of our lives, we're either getting closer to God or further away from Him. That's why the author has said the things that he said 
about we can't even go one day without being mindful of exhorting one another on a daily basis. Because we can become hard even in our hearts within a 24-hour time period. And yet, I don't think that this truth resonates with most Christians today, which is why we approach our Christianity and our church and everything so casually. And I realize, like a lot of times in America, it's always because we overreact to something. I think a lot of what we see in America today is an over, way overreaction to many who grew up in a legalistic rules and regulation background. And because we don't want anything to do with legalism and rules and regulations, which I agree is not the way to do our Christian life, now we've overreacted to the point where we're just casual about everything. I'll do it if I feel like it, and I'll blow in and out when I want to. And we just become this very casual group of Christians. Instead of being spiritually on our toes and engaged and intentional and disciplined and diligent at all times. Sort of as the New Testament talks to us about having that mindset of a soldier in battle who who is on guard at all times. At my post, keeping watch, being alert to everything that's going on around me. That's the kind of mindset and perspective God wants us to have and to build into our lives. And that's what the author is saying. You have become, you've gone backwards. And here's what he says they've come back to. They've come back to being sluggish. The word literally means to be lazy, lethargic, apathetic in their Christian life. He says, look, at one time you weren't lazy. You weren't lethargic. You weren't apathetic. You pushed yourself. You you had a disciplined Diligent approach to your walk with God. You you were engaged. You were fully applying yourself. But somewhere along the line, instead of continuing to move forward, you start to go back. And now you're at a place where you're just, eh, no push. Lazy, lethargic, and apathetic. And you think, wow, but we're talking about our relationship with God and we're talking about the word of God and we're talking about eternal things. Yeah. And the author says, even the people of God can get to a place where they're pretty much disengaged and uninterested and complacent in the way we approach our Christian life. And can I add my own take on some of this, at least from our modern day and age, I think much of the problem with many Christians today is this. Because our priorities are out of whack and we spend most of our time and energy on other things, by the time we get to the spiritual part of our life, we don't have any energy and the best of ourselves left. Because we give the best of ourselves, the most energy and effort and time to other things instead of giving God our first fruits and making him the first priority and making him preeminent and giving him our best. Because if we did that, 
then obviously we wouldn't be in a place where, God, I got nothing left for you. Because I gave everything I had to everything else. And now I got nothing. And see, that's why God calls us to make him preeminent, to make him the priority. As I shared in my blog a couple days ago, there are many Christians that Jesus is a prominent part of their life. He's important, but he's not preeminent. And Jesus Christ is supposed to be the most important person in relationship in our lives. We are to give him the very best of what we have. And see, if we would then prioritize our lives the way we should as Christians, then he would get the best. And then everything else in our lives wouldn't get maybe the best of our energy and ever, at least less than what Jesus does. And I'm not saying that we should do things and not try to do them well and excellently, but I think that's partly what, why so many Christians are, it's not that mentally, sort of as Jesus says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's not that mentally we don't want to give God better. But because our life sucks so much out of us, by the time we get to God or to his word or to the people of God or to our church involvement, we're just giving him the crumbs because we've got very little left. And so I think part of in this, the author is saying also, I want to challenge the priorities of your living. Because you and I can very easily become sluggish when it comes to spiritual things and to our walk with God. And we can end up in a place where we weren't one time like that, but now we've gone backwards. And he says, you have become sluggish in hearing. And this doesn't just mean physically hearing the word. It means more about our, our interest and our passion for spiritual things. You know, just like today, I would hope, and, and if it's not like this, don't tell me. It would discourage me. But I would hope that all of you here today got up and go, I can't wait to get to church this morning. Because I'm anticipating and expecting God's going to speak to me through his word. And, and I'm going to engage with God's people. And, and, and I'm going to worship my God. And so I, I'm up and I'm... I'm there. That, that's what he means by this, sluggish in hearing. Rather than just, well, I guess I'll go to church. I got nothing else to do between 10 and 11 o'clock on Sunday. And I'll just roll in and make my appearance and then roll back out. You know. And that's the way many Christians today even do church. So he goes on to say, after saying this, For though you should, in fact, be teachers by this time, you need someone to teach you the beginning elements of God's utterances. Now let's break this down. First of all, notice he says you should. That means one's duty and obligation. Not something, again, many Christians hear today or even want to hear today. He's pointing out that as a believer in Jesus Christ, as one who's part of the body of Christ, we do before God and before each other have a duty and obligation. And then we come to the next word, a word that shuts many Christians down and they just turn away from this passage to go, well, that doesn't apply to me. 
That just applies to people like Pastor Jeff, so I can just lay that aside. Notice, he's talking to everybody here. But most Christians, when they get to this part and it says you should be teachers, they go, well, that doesn't apply to me because God hasn't called me to be a teacher like he has Pastor Jeff, the Word of God. And I don't have a class and I don't do a Bible study. uh, So this doesn't apply to me. You're going to hear this today from me. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it is true. God may not have given you specifically the spiritual gift of teaching. That's true. And God may not be calling you specifically to teach a Bible study or a class. But what this passage and many others in the New Testament teach is this. When he uses the word teacher, he's simply saying it in this context. Every Christian, after a certain period of being a Christian and being taught the Word of God themselves and learning the Word of God themselves and reading it themselves and studying it themselves and learning how to feed themselves should get to a place where they are competent to instruct others and share the Word of God with others. That's what the word teacher means. I mean, let me make this real practical. There's going to be people that you come in contact with that I never will as a pastor or a teacher of the Word of God. So that's why God wants to grow all of us up. Because you may have even a friend or co-worker that comes to you and says, I'm struggling with such and such. Well, God doesn't want you all the time to go, you know what? Even though this isn't wrong... Let me go and talk to my pastor and see if either he has an answer for you or he'd be willing to meet with you. I would, but wouldn't it be much better because of your competency and mastery of the word of God over time that you can actually look at them and go, why don't we on our break or sometime before or after work, let me show you a passage in scripture that applies to your situation. In that context, you're being a teacher. Because of your diligence and discipline of learning this book, learning where things are, knowing the, you know, the passages of scripture and, and the particular things that, that the books talk about, when people come to you, you can share the word of God with them. You have built up a competency and mastery in the word of God. And again, folks, this responsibility, this duty and obligation is not just to people like me. This is an obligation and duty for all of us so that all of us can be, in a sense, teaching, counseling, exhorting and advising one another out of the word of God. Let me show you another place where this happens. Keep your finger in Hebrews and go back to the book of Romans. Where Paul says the same thing to the Roman Christians in Romans 15 verse 14. Romans chapter 15 and verse 14. Paul says, but I myself am fully convinced about you, my brothers and sisters. Again, he's not just talking to the pastors here. That you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. In other words, you have a deep understanding of the Word of God. Through your own personal study of the Word of God and through being part of a church where you are taught the Word of God all the time. And notice then what he says next. Don't miss this next phrase. Able to do what with one another? 
instruct one another, teach one another, counsel one another, advise one another. See, the way God designs the church is to be a place where the word of God has such a priority and place where, where people are being taught the word of God at such a level where, where we are, are encouraging each other to get into the word of God at every turn that we all become competent in handling the word of God. So not only will we benefit, but so then that we can instruct, teach, counsel, advise, comfort others. Because we have an understanding of the Word of God too. We're not just leaving it to the professionals, but we understand we have a duty and obligation. Every believer in the body of Christ has this obligation before God. And so he's saying to the Hebrews, by this time, by the time you have been a Christian and you have been instructed in the Word and the days that have went by that you could have read and studied the Word of God for yourself, you should, by this time, be able to teach others. But he says, but that's not true. He says, because you are going back to needing someone to teach you always the beginning elements, back to Hebrews 5, verse 12. The basics, the building blocks. Even in chapter 6, verse 1, he references it to the elementary instructions. I would call it the ABCs. In other words, because I'm not a Christian who continues to grow, I actually regress and I go back to a place where I'm just satisfied and comfortable and want to just be taught the ABCs of the Christian life all the time. Don't give me anything hard. Don't give me anything that I've got to think about. Don't give me anything that's going to stretch me. Don't give me anything that's going to convict. Don't give me anything that's going to challenge me. Let me just continue to hear week in and week out the basics, the foundational truths, the ABCs of the Christian life. That's all I want. And notice he says, when we get to that place, we have gone back to needing milk. Not only needing, but the, in the original, it means wanting. In other words, again, because I'm spiritually not in a good place, it's not just that I need milk now, that's what I want. I want the milk. Don't, don't give me a steak. I don't want to try to digest that or chew it. Just give me milk. That's why churches today, that just... Christians' milk are filled. Because many Christians, they don't want the solid stuff. See, but here at a church like this, if you want to be a part of a church like this, you will never hear, hey, we've arrived. We don't have to keep growing. We just need to be satisfied to what we've already achieved. It's never going to be like that. You and I are going to be challenged from God's word continually. At least till God gives me that last breath. I can't speak for what happens after I'm gone, but as long as I'm here and the pastor here, that's the way it's going to be. 
And I will say this, though, too, on the flip side of that. There are Christians who have tasted milk, but when they get a taste of the solid food, and that was true of some of you and others, you never wanted to go back to just the milk. That's part of why you're here. You, you couldn't exist in that environment where it was just milk all the time. Because you knew and you wanted more than just milk. You wanted to sink your teeth into a spiritual steak. You wanted to have something to chew on and digest because you knew that it was only because of the solid food that you were getting that you were really going to grow, which is what he says here. Because notice what he goes on to say. After he says you've gone back to needing milk, not solid food, he goes on to say, for everyone who lives on milk, if your spiritual diet just consists of the ABCs and the easy things all the time and we're never challenged, we will become inexperienced in the message of righteousness. It means we will lack the competency and mastery that we should have in the Word of God. Not only to benefit ourselves, but to benefit others. And by the way, the word solid food in verse 12 is talking about the spiritual nourishment that one needs to be strong and healthy. It's so cool how principles spiritually parallel with principles physically. And I've heard ever since I was growing up, you are what you eat. You know, what our diet consists of as a human being, physically, will certainly affect the quality of our health, how strong we are, how well we grow, all of that. We've heard that from childhood. Well, guess what? You know what he's saying here in the book of Hebrews? Same thing is true spiritually. We are what we eat. If we simply eat milk or drink milk and that's all we do, then that's our ceiling spiritually. We will will never grow anything beyond that. And we will end up being weak and unhealthy and lethargic and apathetic Christians our whole life. But if I'm willing to get in there and be stretched and challenged and be taught the Word of God and learn the Word of God myself and learn how to feed myself a steak, then I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be fit. I'm going to be spiritually in shape. And I'm going to be much more able and capable to handle and navigate the challenges and obstacles of life. Because I'm spiritually in a good place. He goes on to say in verse 13, For everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced in the message of righteousness because he is an infant. And the word infant doesn't just mean immature. It means unskilled. God wants to see us become skilled and competent children of God who can handle His Word and handle it accurately and correctly so that, again, not only are we benefiting and growing and maturing, but so that we can help others to grow and benefit and to counsel them and to advise them and to comfort them. 
I mean, again, let me just use a real practical case. You may have a family member or friend who, who just went through the death of a loved one. Would you know what verses to share with them to bring comfort to them? See, that's the kind of competency that God wants his people to have. That we should, after a certain amount of time, get to a place where we know certain passages and verses where we can go to for this, for that. Because if we don't keep growing, we're never going to get there. And we're always going to have to be spoon-fed. And we're always going to have to have somebody else feeding us rather than learning to feed ourselves. And you and I all know how tragic would that be from a physical perspective. You guys wouldn't even be around here if, you know, you heard that, yeah, Lisa still has to feed Pastor Jeff. She takes the, she takes the little jar of baby food and dips the spoon in and feeds him. You'd be going, oh, that's so tragic. He's 53 years old and he's still eating like that. But can I tell you, it's just as tragic for a child of God who's been saved and who has the Word of God, and who has opportunities to hear the Word of God and be taught the Word of God, to be in the same place spiritually. Where after so many years, they can't feed themselves. And they don't know where to go in the Word of God for things. Folks, this is why we are the church we are. And why we want to continue to grow and provide people opportunities to have even more opportunities to be instructed and taught and classes and whatever so that we can grow up a generation and a group of Christians that has a competency and skill and mastery of the Word of God. And so that we can keep growing and maturing. For notice what he says then in verse 14. Solid food. The spiritual nourishment that makes one strong and healthy is for the mature. And the word mature here simply means those who are growing and progressing. It's never about being perfect. Because none of us on this side of heaven will be perfect. But what God does expect from us is to always be making progress. In fact, he uses the word progress in chapter 6, verse 1. We must progress. Are you growing? Are you making progress spiritually? Can I say, as the pastor of this church, many of you are, and I'm so proud of you, and I want to affirm you and commend you that you're even wanting to be part of a church like this, because if you, if you want to be part of a church like the Oasis, and you come here any length, you sort of know this is what we're about. And if you just want milk, this is not the place. This is going to be the church where you get solid food, not milk. And this is going to be a church where you're not going to be comfortable all the time. None of us are. And where you're going to be continually challenged to keep on keeping on, to keep growing, to keep maturing. Because none of us have arrived yet. None of us have reached our full potential yet. That's what the author is saying to his recipients of this letter. Solid food is for the mature whose perceptions are trained by practice to discern both good and evil. Notice something very important here. 
The author is telling us that discernment, the ability to discriminate, to distinguish, to even scrutinize and examine things, is not something that you and I have automatically as a Christian. It's not. It's something that we grow in our proficiency in by our practice and training. Don't miss those words again in verse 14. Perceptions trained by practice through diligent and disciplined exercise. That's how we become more insightful to things spiritually. That's how we become more aware. That's how we're able to to see through things and to see the reality of things that may not be on the surface, that other people may not see, we can see. How do we develop that? Being trained by practice. Practice, practice, practice. Something, again, I've heard since my childhood. When I first played sports, my coaches would say to me, you want to get better? You want to be proficient in this? Then get out to practice. Because your performance in life will never be more than what you attain in practice. Diligent, disciplined practice. People ask me all the time, how do you you have your understanding of the Word of God and how can you, you know grasp and comprehend and and I tell people well first of all God has been good to me and and given me you know that ability but second of all it wasn't just because I sat around and did nothing for 40 some years I study the word of God for hours every day and I realize God hasn't called you to be a pastor so maybe you don't have hours to spend every day But you can at least spend a few minutes every day in the Word of God. That's why God led me to write this blog. So that at least for a Christian, they had somewhere to go to every day to engage with the Word of God. Because again, as I, through my walk, have have learned from God, it's not how much I do if I do this much one day and then go a whole week before I do something else. That it's the cumulative effect of doing something every day over time that really makes the difference in our lives. And that's not only true physically, that's true spiritually as well. And that's what he's trying to get his readers here to see. If you want to be a perceptive, insightful, discerning Christian, if you want to be able to have that spiritual insight if you want to be able to have that kind of, those kind of eyes that see God and see into the ways of God and into His Word, then he says, you've got to be willing to practice. You've got to be willing to go through the spiritual exercises and not get so lazy and apathetic and lethargic. You've got to have some intentionality to it. And you've got to get to a place in your Christian life where you wake up one day and you don't feel like it. Like many days, I don't feel like going into my study. But I do. There's going to be days like, I hope you don't think that Jeff wakes up every day and goes, oh, I can't wait to go study the Word of God. No, even I, I, I don't wake up like that every day. But what I do is ask God to give me the strength to just get in and start studying and start reading His Word, whether I feel like it or not. 
And see, that's part of the problem today. Is even in our Christian circles, we live in such a world where it's all about, well, if I feel like doing it, I'll do it. And if I don't feel like it, there's no push. There's, there's just no push. And sometimes you and I have to be willing to push through, you know, even our own flesh holding us back and the spiritual resistance we might get from our enemy and do what we know we need to do, whether we feel like it or not. That's why I tell people, I know there's going to be Sundays and Wednesdays. You don't feel like being at church, but I guarantee you this. If you push yourself a little bit and get there, God will have a blessing for you. Because God wants to show us. I get it. You're human. You're not always going to feel like it. But just build the discipline and the diligence in your life to be able to do what you need to do. That's why then in chapter 6, Notice what the author says. Therefore, we must, this is a necessity. It's not a suggestion. It's not that, well, again, if you feel like it, no. He says, we must progress beyond the elementary instructions about Christ and move on to maturity. We got to let go of the ABCs and the milk. And we've got to be willing to get out of our comfort zones and be stretched and move on because that's the only way we will reach our full potential in Christ. That's the only way we're going to keep growing is if we're willing to let go of where we're comfortable and be willing for God to take us out of our comfort zone and stretch us, which again is what this church is all about. If you want to be a comfortable Christian then the oasis will not be for you. If you want to be a Christian that grows and is part of a spiritual environment where you will be encouraged in your growth and supported in your growth and help to reach your full potential, then we're the church for you. Because God says, if I'm not moving forward and growing, I'm moving backward. And when Christians move backwards, it's tragic. It's tragic. It's painful. When those who at one time were growing and increasing and strong spiritually and so close to God now have regressed back to this place. It's sad. And yet it happens all the time. And the only remedy for that, the only remedy for that is to keep on going forward. The answer is never to go back or to stay because we don't stay. We go back if we're not moving forward. I remember when I was first learning how to swim and even, you know, wanting to aspire to be a lifeguard and all that, that even as a little child, I had to get to the point where I was okay to get out of the shallow end of the pool and start navigating in the deep end. But I even still remember that because that's been quite a few years ago for me. But I can still remember that even as a child, like, oh, man, I'm comfortable in three feet, but that's 10 feet. So I get it. What God asks us to do so that we keep growing and maturing and reaching our full potential, is it a little scary? Absolutely. No more than Jesus saying to Peter, Peter, I know you're comfortable in that boat, but you get out of that boat. I want to show you your full potential. You can walk on water with me. And God wants us to all go through that kind of experience. 
Yeah, it's easier to stay in the boat. It's easier to stay in the comfort zone. It's easier just to stay and be where I'm at. The problem with that mentality is if I stay there, I go back. I don't continue to go forward. So I've got to be willing as a Christian to get out of the shallow water and to get to the deeper water. And then once I get there, I got to be willing to go up to the 10 foot diving board. And then I got to be willing to go up to the 20 foot diving board. And is it intimidating? Will it cause some, some fear? Yeah, but God wants me to trust him at every stage of my spiritual growth because in each stage he's moving me and you towards our full potential in Christ. And Christ wants us to reach our full potential. That's what it means to be mature. Some of you have not even begun to realize the potential that God has placed in you for him. And I want you through the ministry of our church to get to a place where your eyes begin to open up and you go, wow, I never dreamed I could do these things. I never dreamed I could be like this for Jesus. I never dreamed I could understand the word like this. I never dreamed that I'd be able to teach and share the word of God with others like this. I never dreamed of that. I want you to be able to dream here. Because God's got that kind of plan and purpose for all of us. But you and I have to be willing, as the author of Hebrews says, to progress beyond our comfort zone and to move on to maturity. To get out of the shallow end of the pool and be willing to move out into the deeper water. And you and I will never reach our potential, our full growth, our maturity, if we're not willing to leave the shallow end of the pool and get out there into the deeper water. I'm going to ask our worship team to come now. As they're coming, I want to ask of you folks something this week. And I I don't want this to be something that happens quickly. So therefore, though any of you want to come here, as you can any Sunday... You want to come here and do business with God like the last couple of weeks, that's fine. But I want, to, I want to give a little bit of a different invitation, if you will, this week. I want to ask you, would you consider going home today and spending time this week in prayer and in talking to God and in being with God and asking God, God... What is that next step you want me to take in my life to move on to maturity? What is that? Because I don't think that's something, again, that, that is determined necessarily quickly unless God's been working on you for a while and you know exactly what that next step is. What is that thing that God is saying to you? Jeff, the only way you're going to reach your full growth and potential spiritually is you got to get be willing to get out of your comfort zone, be stretched, get out of that shallow end, and move to deeper waters. What does that look like for you? And then here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Once you and God determine what that next move or step is, would you consider writing it down somewhere? Because I think that's important too. Write it down. What is that next step spiritually God wants me to take in order to continue to grow and move forward 
spiritually speaking. And then what I'd like you to do is to place what you have written down somewhere very prominently in your life. Whether it's on your desk, wherever it is where you, you're going to see it every day. Because I want that, that you and God have come up with, that next move, that next step, moving on to maturity, I want that to be something that inspires you in the weeks and months ahead. And also, I hope it will be a reminder to you that i got to move forward. Because if I'm not moving forward with God, I'm going backwards. And going backwards cannot be an option for us as Christians. It just can't. It's too tragic. It's too sad. It's too painful. Not only for us, but for everyone around us. And that's why he addresses this to a group of believers. Because he says, I want you guys to create such a spiritual environment that you're all in this together. And you're helping each other continue to move forward. Would you consider doing that? Let's stand and pray. Father, help us to see clearly from your word today that if we're not moving forward with you, we're going backwards. We're becoming sluggish. All of us, Lord, are susceptible to becoming complacent, apathetic, lethargic in our Christian life. But yet, God, you're God. And you've given us such a great salvation. And you have such a wonderful plan and purpose for our lives while we're here on earth. And there's so much potential, God, that you've placed within us. How can we go back? We need to keep pressing and pushing forward. So God, give us what that next step is. Give us the courage to get out of the shallow end of our spiritual pool and to finally wade out into deeper waters. Help us to move on, God, to maturity, to a greater competency and skill even with your word, not only so that we benefit, but so others benefit as well. And God, we're getting ready to sing a song that's entitled, Great, Great God. I hope we never lose that. Because if we believe, Jesus, that you're just a great teacher, then every once in a while we'll follow your teaching. And if we believe, God, that you're just a great example, then every once in a while we'll follow you as an example. But if we believe, Jesus, that you are the great God, that you are the creator and sustainer of this universe, that you created us with a plan and purpose in mind and potential that you placed within us, If we believe, God, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords and you are the ruler of this universe, then, God, what could we ever give you less than our very best? God, help us to set our priorities right today. Help us to put you, our great, great God, into your rightful place in our lives. 
and help us starting today to move on to maturity, leave behind and let go the things that are holding us back and to move on with our great, great God and reach the full potential God that you placed within us when you created us in our mother's womb. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.